Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. Today we're going to finish last week's message we had begun in the book of Jude. The book of Jude, and I will read the first four verses, and today we will preach verse four. One verse. Uh, We preached the first three verses last week. We shared with you last week that we'd be in the book of Jude for a little while. It is one of what we call the general epistles. Sometimes it's called a Catholic epistle that has absolutely nothing to do with what most of us understand as Catholic. But it means it was a general epistle, not written to a particular location, but to the church in general. And you can usually tell right away because the general epistles are named after those who wrote them. This is not Jude's letter to Galatia. This is just the epistle of Jude like the epistle of Peter, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, uh, the epistle of James. Those are all general epistles named after their authors. Let's begin reading, and we'll read from where we stopped last week, beginning in verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. We mentioned to you last week, if he's the brother of James, that would make him the half-brother of Jesus. But he doesn't tell us that. He says, the relationship that I have with Jesus that I want you to know about is that I am his bondservant. He might be my half-brother. We grew up in the same house. But when he was resurrected, that's when me and my other brothers realized he really was who he said he was. And we've been believers ever since. And so, yeah, I could throw my weight around and and put on my resume, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. But he said, more importantly than that, I am the bondservant of Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation. I felt the necessity, though, to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. In our verse today, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, it, they may have surprised you, but he says they didn't surprise God. Ungodly persons who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness. That's a word we don't use a lot. We'll talk about it. And deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite characters in all of world history, and I have several, but one of them is definitely Winston Churchill. 
Winston Churchill was not the prime minister of England at the time, but between World War I and World War II, remember World War I was the war to end all wars, and of course just calling it World War I ought to tell you how well that went. But Winston Churchill at the time was not the prime minister of England, Neville Chamberlain was. But Winston Churchill had the advantage over most other leaders in the whole wide world at the time in that just like Jude, he understood, like it or not, see it or not, believe it or not, there is a storm coming. Most of the world was tired of fighting and, and, and most of the world leaders thought that there's a way this time to talk our way out of this and somehow or another we will get by. And Neville Chamberlain was at the head of that pack but, but because he believed that, well, Hitler tells me that he wants the Sudetenland of Czechoslovakia, the western part of Czechoslovakia, and, and he promises <laughs> Uh, he promises to be a good boy after that. And I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically it. He promised that's all that he wanted. And, of course, he wanted far more than that. But, but Neville Chamberlain goes to a meeting with Adolf Hitler. Benito Mussolini was there. Stalin was mad because he wasn't there and the leader of France at the time. And when you sit down with Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler, and you expect to come out of that meeting with a really good deal, you're a fool. And he was a fool. He came home waving a piece of paper when he got off the plane. He called it peace in our time. It was the Pact of Munich or the Treaty of Munich, the Munich Agreement, and it was not worth the paper on which it was written. Later on, Adolf Hitler would pull the same thing on Stalin. He told Stalin, I want Poland. And he said, if you'll just give me Poland, that's all I want. And Stalin was a big enough fool to believe him. And they signed a pact. They signed an agreement that they would not go to war with each other for 10 years. And Stalin didn't realize it, but Adolf Hitler was already making plans to invade Russia as well. People thought Churchill was a fool. Later, he would fortunately become prime minister because they realized this man was wiser than we thought. Jude reminds me somewhat of Churchill. He is telling the church, he says, church, there's a storm coming. And I would say to you today that as I stand here as a preacher of the Word of God, for us as the church of Jesus Christ worldwide, and I know in some places it's already more evident than here, but I can tell you even here there is a storm that is brewing. I remember when my dad would tell stories about when he was in the Navy, he would say that we would be in a port somewhere in the South Pacific, and he said it would hardly be a cloud in the sky, and we would get word that a typhoon was coming. And he said, we couldn't fight it tied up to the dock. It would tear the ship all to pieces. Our only hope was to get our vessel out to sea, get the nose right into the storm, and fight it with all our might. Otherwise, we were destined to be destroyed. 
And I can tell you when you look around, you might say, well, I, I don't see these looming clouds, Pastor Mike. It, it, it looks like we're kind of getting back on our feet. This COVID thing should be over before long, and, and we ought to be able to move on. And, 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 and the church, all these preachers that said for years that, that tough times were coming and, and all of that, and they just never seemed to get here. I, I, I want to tell you, if you live long enough, friend, you're going to watch the church go through a very, very difficult time. We live in a time that's already showing signs that it cares nothing about God. And it cares even less about what you and I have to say. Uh, you know, it's amazing. We, our generation, the, the, the generation around us, not my generation, they're old people, but if you look at the millennials and the postmoderns and all of them, they didn't really embrace just, just raw atheism or Marxism or communism. They have more so embraced indifference than anything else. As long as you don't try to tell me there is absolute truth, that yes, this is right and, and no, this is wrong, as long as you don't start drawing real clear lines and, and condemning certain behaviors that we have now discovered to be okay, as long as you don't talk about final truth or absolute truth, then we should be fine. Young man, would you keep your hands to yourself, please? But as long as we don't have people going around blabbing about, well, there are certain truths that you just can't deny and they are of God and, and boy, there will always be true. And if he says this is right, it's right. And if he says this is wrong, it's wrong. As long as you stay away from that, you can kind of take the gospel and you can sort of uh, package it for mass sales, if you, if you would, you know, you, uh, mass consumption, so to speak. And, and you can make it soft enough to where a lot of people will accept it. But I have a news for you, friend. You will stand before God and give an account if you do. We have to preach the Word I'll give you a great example. Matt Walsh gives this example in his book called Church of Cowards. Subtitled, A, a Wake-Up Call to Complacent Christians. He said we kind of looked at homosexuality in three stages. He said, first of all, we decided that the Bible was wrong about homosexuality. He said, and then we moved to, well, homosexuality was wrong during biblical times, but it's no longer wrong and then we move to the third place the bible actually endorses homosexuality but its approval is so subtle get this and hidden that nobody noticed it for 20 centuries until we came along and discovered it how could that be they just didn't see it for 2,000 years thank goodness us open-minded, educated, uh, uh, real deep-thinking uh, generation. Thank goodness we came along and we discovered that not only is homosexuality not condemned in the Bible, as a matter of fact, it is promoted in Scripture. And it just took us smart folks to come along after 2,000 years and figure all of that out. Jude says these people that 
preach these things are already among us. They're not wanting in. They're not on the outside beating on the glass. He says, no, they're in our churches very much. I don't know if you've ever even heard of Greta Vosper. If I told you that Greta Vosper is a Canadian who is an atheist, that probably would not surprise you very much. But what else I read about her did surprise me somewhat. She's an ordained minister in the largest Protestant denomination in all of Canada. Now, it caused a stir for a while. It's called the United Church of Canada, and, and it did. It caused a stir. There, there, there were meetings held about it because Greta Vosper came along and said that I am an atheist. I, I, I do believe that I am called to preach, and I believe that I am called a pastor, but she said this, belief in God belongs to an outdated world view. And when it was all said and done, after all of the meetings and after all of the wise folks all, so to speak, came together and discussed it and the leaders of the denomination, they decided that atheism would now be a legitimate expression of one's personal theology in the United Church of Canada. How can you be an atheist? And be a pastor. Well, part of that is going to go back to our word licentiousness. We'll get to it in a moment. Let's bring it in closer. And then we'll look at our one verse today. I keep saying that because I don't want you to think we're going to be here a long time. Hope it's working. If you ask the average Christian, I want you to listen to this question. If you ask the average Christian to tell you how his or her life would be different if he or she did not believe in Christ, most people would struggle to give you one example. You already loved animals, right? Some of you love cats. I, I've just heard that. I'm not accusing. You've already cared about the homeless. You always have. You've cared about the downtrodden. There's not a person out there that's poor that you wouldn't like to help better their cause. When you see them on television, it brings you to tears and, and all of that. And I, I can tell you, there, there's so many sitting in our churches and some sitting at home, but I can tell you, they never, ever one time needed Jesus Christ to get them there. His miraculous saving power never helped get them there at all. They already were there. They're nice folks already. They don't steal from their neighbors. They don't, they don't cheat at work or whatever. I, they got a, a long list of things. They live a good, decent life. And, and they might attribute some of that to, well, you know, and I am a Christian. But being a Christian has nothing to do with it. Because you could pretty much do everything you're doing right now had you never even heard of Jesus Christ. Nothing miraculous. 
Nothing going on in your life. You've never been anywhere that you were afraid to go. You stayed home. You've never tried anything you couldn't afford. You done figured out you couldn't. You, you've never done anything that you could honestly say that I know without a doubt without Jesus Christ in my life. There is no way in the world that I could have ever done such a thing. We just take Jesus and we hook him up to some good fine people. And we think that, well, that's why old so-and-so used to give mama some of his turnip greens every year. Because you know he was a good Christian. I want to tell you, mama would have got turnip greens with or without Jesus. Because you couldn't name one thing in your life, a lot of us couldn't. That you know without a shadow of a doubt, I couldn't do it. If it were not for the power of God. I use my abilities. I rarely ever step out and do anything that scares me. If I just think for a second I might look like a fool or look embarrassed or whatever, I stay away from those areas. I go wherever I want to go. And when things get to where I don't like them, I go somewhere else. You can do all of that and never have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's take a look. Jude says, and i I got a much longer list, but I want to get into verse 4. He says these folks are already here. He said they have slipped in unaware. Now, he's talking about heresy. Hadaresis is a word in ancient times that just meant a pattern of belief. You might say that I, I hold to the heresis of Plato or whatever. It was a perfectly legitimate, innocent word. But when the Word of God is brought into the picture, then heresis becomes heresy. And that is where we get the Word. Because you no longer, and I no longer, have the option of just saying, well, you know, this is kind of how I see things. I, well, I heard Preacher Mike Sunday. Yeah, I was over there. I, uh, the, the, the guy with the crazy arm. Yeah. Oh, boy, I tell you, whew, he, man, he really told him. I see things a little different than him. Well, you can see things different than me all day long. Who cares? Matter of fact, I'm a guy that shot his arm off. So you might get a plus for seeing things a little different than I do. I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack. I can tell you that. But when you begin to look at things that come from the Word of God, and you decide, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard that before, but I think that's a bit outdated. It's somewhat antiquated thinking to, to, to look at all of, of, of those kinds of things and just condemn them outright. Just because it was a sin back then. Oh, there were lots of things. And then you can drag up something out of Leviticus for us. And that'll make you feel even better and say, well, we don't boil our goats in its mother's milk either. Ha, ha, ha. You can do all of those belief calisthenics you want to do. But if God says it's a sin, it's a sin. But Jude says, beware. Let's look at them quickly. He said, these folks come in, number one, I, I love this part. I almost missed it. it. It's personal. These people are personal in what they bring to our 
fellowships, when they come in and they begin teaching things that are false. He said it's personal. I like this. He says certain persons have come in. You know, we don't like language like that nowadays. If, if you listen to the news, we don't talk, we talk about violence. Yes, sir, we got too much violence. Got to do something about violence. Got too many guns. Got to do something about guns. We, oh, we got racism. Matter of fact, we had rather sell the whole country on this lie that we have systemic across the board, whether you know it or not, racism, rather than to say the words, there are racist people in this world. I can give you a great example. In 2017, a man killed 58 people from his hotel window in Las Vegas, Nevada. Police investigated it, they said, for eight months and never found a motive. Because, you see, we don't have violent people. Not according to today's headlines. We have violence. That's the idea. We've got to attack violence, and we've got to attack racism. Let me tell you something. We have racist people, and we have violent people in our world. And yeah, I understand there's some people that have guns that don't need them. That's coming from a one-armed man, too. But I can tell you this. It's not the gun, and we can blame it on an idea like violence, or we can drum up some critical race theory and talk about racism and how it's systemic and all of that. At some point, if we're ever going to deal with these things, we're going to have to admit to ourselves that we have a world full of lost sinners, and they're mean as a snake, and they'll kill you for $2. We can't do it. You ought to read sometime. Really, the research is out there. FBI has some websites. I'm surprised they're still available. If you looked in 2019, the highest number I found was 13. The lowest number I found was 9. That's how many unarmed black men were killed by police in the whole year. In the whole year. I thought police were on a, like a war. And they were just killing every person they saw that they didn't like their color. That's never been true. But we can't admit it. And if we could go and look at who's doing the killing and who's doing the dying, it'd probably blow our minds. But we can't even talk about that. We'd rather talk about ideas. I love this. <laughs> We need to have a conversation about. A conversation. If you got somebody outside your house and they're shooting through all the windows and they're already beating the doors down and all of that, why don't you go out there and say, hey, you know, you and I ought to have a conversation. I think we're beyond the conversation. 
I think we need to lock some people up and keep them locked up because it's not just some idea. It is sinful people and they're violent because they're sinners. They murder because they're sinners. I did all the horrible things I did in my life because I was a sinner. And the thing I needed was not some new program or for the government to toss me some more cash. I needed a Savior in my life. And that's what our world needs. But church, when we go along, oh, I know, this is controversial. I know there are pastors that would tell me, and I don't know that I'd have said that. Maybe that's because why God told me to say it instead of you. You knew you wouldn't. When we go along with it, we're going along with a lie. People need Jesus, friend. Not another program. We can elect all the presidents we want. We need a Savior. It's personal. It's private, too. It says they crept in unnoticed. Sometimes these false teachers come across like rescuers. You know, there are a lot of things in Scripture that, boy, it will bother almost anybody. An eternal hell that, that's, that's a tough one. It, it's in Scripture, and it's, it, it, there's no denying it. But boy, that's a, that's a tough one to wrap your mind around. It might be one of the most difficult theological conundrums that I, I have found. But, but I can't just deny it because it is in Scripture, and there are tons of other things. But sometimes these people who creep in, who are teaching heresy, they'll help you with those things. Oh, Yeah. Those Bible difficulties, just all, well, I just can't believe that it, people all over the world, just because they've never heard of Jesus, are going to go to hell. What if you met somebody today? Maybe they invited you over for a Bible study at their house or whatever, and they had a really good answer for that. It wasn't scriptural, but it helped to comfort you. Boy, those are the suckers they're looking for. Oh, yeah. That's, somebody helped you understand better what God meant by, you know, homosexuality or transgenderism or whatever all of that is. You're going to meet people, I promise you, they're sly. And they can tell you, well, yeah, 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 it does say that, but, but let me tell you, if you put it in context and whatever else, let me just clear it all up for you. The first lie ever told in the Bible was told by the father of lies, Satan himself. Have you forgotten the lie he told? I hope not. Because the lie he told was to a woman that couldn't figure out with all these trees and all this fruit, why would God plant one tree in this garden and tell us not to eat of it. She was having a conundrum. I like big words like that. She was having a little conundrum over that. And guess what Satan did? He asked her a question. Has God really said? And she was off to the races. Did he really say that? Does that make sense to you that a loving God would do something like that? 
Do you really believe that the God you've come to know, your God, your personal God, do you really believe that he would make such a statement? He's a liar. And he's still lying to people today. They're personal, they're private, they're predictable. It says in the same verse, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Jude will later tell us, and I'm going to move on from here, but he'll later tell us in verse 11, he's going to bring up some names. He's going to actually name some names for us. He says, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Well, who is Cain and where is he in the Bible? See, that's what we've got to learn, friend. And I know probably if you've been to come in the Cornerstone very long, you not only know where he is, but you know what the way of Cain means. I'm not telling you God is saying you ought to come to church here, but if you're not in a church that teaches the word, you ought to find one. Because you need to know about Cain. He goes on and he says... Some of them headlong, they just, they just rush headlong into the era of Balaam. Where is Balaam in the Bible? About all most people know about him is he had a very, very talented donkey that could speak English, old English, in the King James. Where is he, though, in Scripture? And then he talks about the rebellion of Korah. Who is Korah? Who are these people? Do we, why, why don't we know about them? We need to. Because Jude says you're going to meet some just like them. It's personal. It's private. They're predictable. They're also perverted. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness. Aselgia is the word in the Greek, which that won't make a lot of sense, but licentiousness, if we look at how we translate it, it's probably better words for that because that's not a word we use a lot, but you do hear in that word the word license. And that's exactly what aselgia means. People that feel like they have a license to do that. I saw a couple the other day, you may have seen them, they've been on the news some. They decided, it's a man, and I don't even know how to tell this, a man and a woman, a, a mother and a father, and they got a baby. And they decided to switch genders. And the dad was shocked to find out he couldn't breastfeed. I know. Wouldn't have said that either, would you? These people, you, 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 I know you do. Sometimes you just slump back in that old recliner and you go, what in the world has happened to this place? They decided to switch genders. You be the man, I'll be the woman. That might be handy if it's time to cut grass, you know, <laughs> or clean the gutters out. But not when you're raising a child and they both were piled up in the bed and I could not tell one from the other. And they had that little baby and I thought that poor little child is being raised in mass confusion and dysphoria and it is incredible. How in the world can people feel like they have the freedom to just do something like that? 
They have a license. They have a license. I've been asked before, because I'm not the world's greatest on keeping my shirt tail pulled down, about why I'm carrying a firearm. Well, I have a license. That's what makes me feel like I have the authority to take it certain places. Some people might not have. When you see people that are doing things that are incredibly out of sorts, that defy even common sense, don't think they're ashamed of it or embarrassed about it. They keep their certificate in a prominent place. I'm a human being. I'm my own God. And I can do what I want because I have a license to live however I choose. Not sure if that license has helped him with the breastfeeding. I'll check and get back with you. Personal, private, predictable, perverted, last of all, as we close. Profane. Says they even deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Man. They even deny Jesus Christ. He's our only Lord and Master. He is the only way that we can have a relationship with God. And I said it last week. I'm going to say it again today because Jude just has flat put it in the words for us here. One of the issues among Southern Baptists right now that I never thought would be a problem in this denomination was that we would actually have people argue about whether or not the only way to have a relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a doctrine called the uniqueness of Christ. We've held to it for years because it's what Scripture teaches all through Scripture. If you weren't here last week, I'll just tell you this. We don't send missionaries as Southern Baptists to help tribes and nations and other groups discover the richness of their own faith, they may have the wrong faith. They may believe in Allah or they may believe in Buddha or they may believe in some Hindu God. We go to tell them that there's only one way to have a relationship with God and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. But Jude warns us. They finally get around to it at the end of the verse. These rescuers. That book you read. I, I know, I see sometimes on social media people will get a book from somebody and I'm like, oh my Lord, why is that person reading that? And then they start to brag about, oh my goodness. I used to worry about this and that, and I never could figure out uh, uh, what God meant by, by what He said here and all of that. And I'm taking this study now, this 12-week study by so-and-so, and it has just cleared so much of that up for me. Is it the truth? Until you can find Cain in the Bible, how are you going to know? Because I can clear up all kind of things for you. Make you feel better. We can air condition hell before we're done. But it might be a lie. 
Jude says a storm's brewing, friend. It's coming, and it's not COVID. It's covert. See, I just made that up. Just came to me like that. It's not COVID. It's heresy. It's heresy. We have to be ready for it. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and I, I see visitors here, man, I, I just, I want to beg you. Don't toy around with that. Jesus loves you. He died for your sinfulness. And, and the price to get into heaven, have you checked lately? You know we have inflation. It's not gone up. It's been the same ever since. The price to get into heaven is you must be 100% righteous. Now, some of you, if you don't come to Cornerstone much, you're probably going, well, I guess I can give up now. That might be a good idea. Because if you do give up, and you say, God, I can't do it. Then Paul says all through the book of Romans that if we'll confess that we're sinners and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that what God will do is he will give us his righteousness as a free gift. And you'll, you can quit trying to whip that old flesh of yours into shape. It just gets uglier the more you try to train it. Just give up and say, God, I want to receive your righteousness today as a free gift because if you leave it up to me, I will mess it up every single time. He wants to give you his righteousness as a free gift. Man, how can you beat that? You just can't. Let's bow. Lord, we ask you right now, if there's a person here today that maybe they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray, God, right now that, Father, whatever they've heard, no matter, maybe they've already encountered folks that made them feel better about being lost. Maybe today's been pretty tough on them because they have heard the truth today but, Lord, I pray right now that you'd help them to hear also in the midst of that, that you love them and that you gave your life for them and you want to give your righteousness to them. Lord, I pray right now, Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, that right now they would ask you, they would ask you to forgive them of their sinfulness, God. They would be broken before you right now, not arguing, not already planning to, to, to maybe give something they heard today down the country, but they would just be humble right now, God, before you. And Lord, they would ask you to be their Savior. They'd quit trying to do it on their own. And they'd surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.